Hello and welcome to today's episode of Not Defined by Endo. Yoga has always interested me, even before I found out that I had endometriosis. So imagine my excitement when I started doing my research and I began to see a lot of positive things about the impact of yoga and meditation on chronic illness. If you've listened to this podcast a lot, you'd have heard it said quite frequently that endometriosis requires a holistic approach. So outside of the traditional medical treatments, you have to look at your nutrition, your pelvic health, your lifestyle, exposure to toxic chemicals in your everyday products, and even the way you handle stress. The practice of yoga is ancient, but very relevant in our world today. I wanted to speak to a real life yogi, someone who had been practicing, learning and teaching the art of yoga for years and so I decided to reach out to Lara Heyman, a physical therapist and international yoga leader and creator of the LYT yoga technique. Using Lara's LYT yoga technique, she teaches you to combine yogic principles with functional mobility developed with the foundation of physical therapy. Her collection of yoga classes will bring you into greater balance through movement, restoration, and breath in a supportive, nurturing community. Lara also hosts a podcast, Redefining Yoga, which can be found on her website, lytyoga.com, and any other streaming platforms you like. Remember that I am not a healthcare professional, so whatever I share on this podcast is to inspire and empower you to take control of your health and your body. Please always speak to your healthcare professional before making any major changes to your diet or lifestyle. With that said, let's get right to it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome. And I'm so glad that you said yes to my invitation to come on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I, I can't say no to another woman who, who, who presented herself in such an amazing way. I love to help other women. I'm very much into the Women Supporting Women movement. And I think this is wonderful that you started this podcast to help other women as well. Thank you so much. So I'm going to dig into a bit of the history of yoga. So can you tell me a bit about the history of yoga? And then how did you become a yogi? How did you get into this path? Well, the history of yoga is interesting because people will speak of it in different time frames. You know, some really talk about like modern postural yoga. What you see much more of as to in today's practice is a relatively new experience in the timeline of yoga. So whenever I introduce and talk about yoga and yoga philosophy, um, which I'm not an expert in by any means, but what I, my interpretation of the things that I've read and studied and learned is that, you know, yoga has been practiced for a long time. They, they stone seals date back uh, over 5,000 years ago, but those were the first tangible states of evidence where people were, they were doing yoga poses of some kind, even meditative type poses on those. But, you know, the practice of yoga, this practice of raising consciousness, of becoming um, so self-aware and doing self-study that you can be a better person in the world, be more conscientious and more conscious of the effect your 
life and your behavior and everything down to the, you know, the words that you say, all of that matters. That practice has been in place for a long time. And I think it really, um, it interweaves, weaves, intertwines, intertweaves, that's a made up word, <laughs> interweaves and intertwines with um, the, the, the philosophy of religion. You know, re all great religions have this common thread that is um, the golden rule of being the best you can be for other people, for other beings, for the environment. Yeah. And, um, you know, not doing any harm. So, Yoga in, in earlier times, the when, when the people talk about, oh, we need to go back to earlier times. Well, not necessarily. The very, very early practices of yoga were actually very much restricted to a very, very specific um, group of people. It was um, very, it was not inclusive. It was quite exclusive. Um, only if you were in a certain, the Rishi, if you had some kind of status, you could practice. Okay with the, the seers they were known. Um, so, you know, those days I don't really like to look at because that was like, you know, <laughs> the elite were all able to, to have some um, learning, some, some that was passed on to them. So I look at, I think more of like classical yoga as when Patanjali came in, he came in with the Yoga Sutras. This was in the past um, couple thousand years ago. And, and he brought up these ideas of kind of almost prescriptive pathway that if you followed it, you would have a better chance at, at getting what, you know, many will say is like nirvana or just this state of being, which is really complete balance. And that's, it's almost made to think of as it's not possible as a human, we can't get there, but we strive for it. Yeah. And he really speaks of the, these obstacles to that, which are so interesting because they really are relevant today as well. The obstacles are the clashes. Mm. It's ego and ignorance, it's hatred or aversion. Yeah. Um, it's fear of change or fear of death being the biggest change. The, the fear of death is a big one. And, and then um, attachment, you know, and, and so he, he brought up these really philosophical tenets. So what I do, is I look at that period and say, what about those concepts and philosophies can we instill into our daily practice? So I have a practice that is very much informed by my background as a physical therapist. And it's and very much this idea that our bodies are a vehicle and they are the vehicle for our own journey and transformation. Mm. And so it's very interesting when you are living with some kind of chronic condition, pain or whatever, to think of like your body is this vehicle for transform transformation, but yeah. it still is, it really is. And it's, it's having to sh kind of really tease out and shift through some muck where, you know, your body is in a way, um, it's not being loyal to you. It's not really, it's, 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 I'm sure at times it feels like it's very much fighting you, but it's actually yeah. not the body. It's the, the, the systems in the body mm. and at every level, every system. Um, and this is another yoga philosophy called Shtira Sukha, which is Shtira is structure. And, you know, you can think of a jar has structure and then inside of it, it contains water and one gives each other meaning, right? So the Sukha is the soft, the receptive. So 
in every aspect of our lives, in every aspect from all the way down to ourselves, we are trying to create this balance and it's not ever perfect. And that's the whole point is, and sometimes you have even more things stacked up against you. So um, I think yoga, the yo my, my, I've been practicing for 25 years and been teaching and my own yoga has shifted based on what I have experienced to be the most profoundly effective for me. And I can, because of my background also as a physical therapist, yeah. um, modify or shift it to different populations. But I always hold the bar high. And so even with people that are struggling like with endometriosis, which is a chronic lifelong condition, um, and many people have different experiences of it, but it, at, 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 at any level, it's going to be, it can be debilitating. Yeah. And it is, what do you do with that? And that's the heart. That's where we find this deeper source of um, our, our courage, really. It's, it's like, despite and in spite of the fact that I feel this way and I'm experiencing that, can I still show up for myself and do the best I can that will help my inner body feel better? that will help me not have as much pain and anger, frustration, all of the um, intertwining emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, I, so that, there's a very abbreviated, but not so abbreviated version yeah. of like how I try and bring the yoga um, history and philosophy into my teachings. Right. And yeah, that's, it's a very physical practice that I teach, but it is because your physical body is the direct pathway to within. There's a lot of other things that can be muted on the way in, in, in our, our own interpretations and history and biases, but our bodies are pretty truthful and pretty, um, and, and they're always present. You know, Our mind is very rarely present, but our body is always present. How did you get into yoga? It was really a happenstance. I, had always been very much um, a believer in this mind-body, body-mind connection. I'd always been a mover and really enjoyed movement and felt its impact on my emotional state. So I had, I had danced and I had played sports and I had moved after graduate school, moved up and belonged to a runner's club because I, I wanted to meet some people. I knew no one in this area that I live in now. And they offered a yoga class as a free thing. And it was like, oh, you know, I'll try that. And thinking like, I'm just going to go and stretch and stuff. And it was actually a very, it was a pretty powerful class. And I just immediately was like, whoa, this is cool. Because um, it was moving in, the, in a dance-like way in, in that it wasn't like just moving. You know how running, we just move in one direction or biking. But when, in yoga, when you start moving in a variety of planes, it, it reminded me of, of dance and that feeling of really experiencing space. So I was hooked, but there wasn't a lot around. So I did a lot of self teaching in the very beginning, you know, 25 years ago was very different than it is wow. now. Really, Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, right? It's like a lifetime ago. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Is there a difference between yoga that is meditation and spiritual 
and yoga that is more like exercise is there you know is there a difference are there like two different tracks of yoga or is yoga something that we do all of that together so where you do the physical exercise which actually i found that yoga is really strengthening which you know even though it's really calm and it might not get your heart racing or anything like that but it really is calming but it's also strengthening so i feel like that's the exercise part and then there's these almost like spiritual you know finding your like going into yourself and all of that so do you separate that or is it something that we can combine together uh you personally i look at it as um as one i look at it as like a large garden you know an ecosystem again and there are times where you're going to go and really do a lot in the garden and really i mean a lot it needs a lot of you don't just sit and watch it yeah it's like you have to really take care of it and there's a very physical labor to that Mm -hmm. um and then there's times where there's a softness where there's just a receiving and, and witnessing like growth or witnessing the pauses and and then all the different things you bring in the fertilizer the water the sun all of it is part of this of life cycle and similar to yoga practice or or any i mean it's yoga that's only really teased or taken these two apart and made them disparate fun, you know systems pathways and i kind of understand that because i i see why like someone who might not be as physically um, fit or physically even you know, wanting to do physical stuff, but feeling really stressed, they would think like sitting and practicing breathing and practicing visualization is gonna help me. And that's gonna, have a pa- that's gonna be accessible for a lot of people. But what I would say is yes, it might be more accessible, but there's the success of actually getting to the place where you are more centered, you need the movement, like you need it because the movement is bringing you back to the organism of who you are. And to separate the, the spirit from the container of the spirit, it's, I think, a huge injustice. And we know, like, I know I could gather 20 people in a room and we could sit and meditate and they're going to probably feel great. We can focus on the breath and they could have some like real like aha moments of that. And they certainly could calm their nervous system down. But I know if I took those same 20 people and I did 10 minutes of like movement, like some jumping jacks or hold a plank or, and they're sweating and they're moving, I am going to excavate some of the weeds. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in and some of the underlying ground stuff that you don't see, but that can be really harmful, comes up with movement. It 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 can come up in stillness, but the movement shakes it up. Like you can't escape it. <laughs> you know, it's like people will try. They'll like try and shut down. But you see it, it, there's an aliveness to movement. Your blood is flowing, your heart rate is um, lifting. And there's all these neurochemical responses. Your brain all of a sudden has the space to not just think necessarily in old patterns even, but has the space of possibly like witnessing something different, you know? And that's where I've seen huge breakthroughs for people. Um, in particular, people who are in negative self-talk and things like that. So 
I think we talk a lot about the two paths and it's fine to even practice them, but in two different ways, but you, in my mind, you can't just do the spiritual sit around, breathe thing. You, you have to move. And that's part of this. This is, you can take this out, but it's by itself versus when it's put into the, nobody can see my hands except for you. But when you put it in, it's like you can extract the spiritual breathing, sitting, focused, meditative, whatever part of it. Yeah. But you've extracted it. It's still been in that body, mind, um, organism in the beginning. So uh, I think that it's denying our humanness when we, when we think of them as separate. And that's, I'm pretty, I have a strong opinion about that. And it's, because I've just seen thousands of people who've, who've experienced that. Okay. And in my practice in particular, people will always come in and say, I thought this was really physical, but what ended up happening is it changed my life. Okay. Because what, when you become, when you feel better, especially if you came with any kind of stuff already pre-existing, and you feel even a little better, you're going to be probably a better, nicer person. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just... You, you know, it's, I doubt that angry, mean people are having a great experience in their physical body. I just don't think they are, you know, I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, um, there can be people who are physically fit, who are total, you know, assholes, whatever, but, um, it, it's a, t- a separate thing, you know, that must be ego or one of those five things, but yeah. When you're, when you're really moving in pain and that's where yoga I think is different than just like going into a gym and getting on a treadmill and nothing wrong with that either. But that's almost asking you to like, let's get the job done. Let's get the job done. Mm-hmm. And yoga is about like, let's go inside and get the job done, which requires you to be a witness to what's happening, not to just look at the TV or yeah. like, be amused <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and amused while you're doing something physical. So I think that's where the physical, you are calling upon your internal to pay attention. Okay, great. Do you have experience or example of maybe clients with um, chronic illnesses that have come in and how did yoga help them? Because I still don't, even though, you know, you said it and I kind of have an idea of why yoga is good. How does it really have an impact on chronic illnesses and what kinds of um, maybe practices or routines? I don't know if routine is the right word, but, you know, practices, would you say that people that experience chronic illnesses should like endometriosis should um, try? Well, I have had a lot of people with different chronic illnesses from endometriosis to rheumatoid arthritis to regular osteoarthritis. You know, rheumatoid is more, uh, it's an autoimmune and I've Mm. had with autoimmune, which would be similar in this way that you have this chronic condition that is, you know, basically not working for you, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the fundamental thing that, it, that, that yoga helps with is it is empowering for you. You know, again, when, you're, when you have a chronic condition, um, at, because of the time period, it's so... Yeah prevalent right it's not like you can escape it yes there are it's like a wave sometimes or worse and but it's there's a um what i've seen is this disempowerment you know uh, this is out of your hands and that feels pretty 
um, frustrating. It feels very fear producing. And it can also feel very stagnant, you know, like, well, there's nothing I can do. And that feels very like static. And so there's all kinds of negative emotions. I'm sure I have you felt that way. Yes, definitely. Definitely. With chronic illness, you, you feel helpless. Yes. That you feel really helpless. And um, I felt that there were times, even though I know that nutrition and, you know, moving my body and all of that, you know, are helpful. There were months that even after doing a lot of things, I would still be really sick. And I'll just be like, you know what, there's no point. And sometimes I might even go and eat cake and be like, what's the point, you know? So yeah, yeah, sometimes you feel like a victim and you feel helpless and you're just hopeless as well. And you just, yeah, the emotions are definitely very negative when it comes to Yeah. That. Oh, I can imagine. You know, and, and, and the only thing I have suggestion that suggested to people that I've worked with that has seemed to help is that, yes, you're going to have a new, you're going to have a different level of, of fine tuning. Your, 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 your tuning fork is, has to be ever present and just be okay with that. It's like, you're not going to have like, you know, two, three weeks where you can just be like, Oh, screw it. I'll do whatever I want, or I won't do anything. I'll sit around. And, um, because what, while one person might feel just like kind of lethargic, you could have a much bigger reaction to that. Yeah. I think that the, the practice that, um, that I teach, which is yoga, but it's functional movement as well. It's, it really helps people feel more powerful instead of the helpless. It, it doesn't say, it doesn't mean that you're going to feel, you're, you're not going to feel those things. So it was the physical pain and, the, and all the things that go along with it. Um, while it might be helped some, it, what is helping is how you manage it. Yep. And, and that feeling of like, you are actually in control and that you have that power yep. and there's going to, you're going to do everything in that power. And the other thing I remember one woman um, who had rheumatoid arthritis, which reminds me a little bit of endometriosis because there's all similar to it. There's, uh, there are, there are medicines, but they just, the, you know, the, 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 the side effects are, um, as, yeah. as bad in different ways and symptoms. And I remember what she said. Um, she just said essentially like, you know, it's not like I feel, I don't feel those things. I still feel them all the same, but she said, but I think to myself, like, how much worse would it be if I hadn't, if I wasn't doing this practice? Like, yeah. So, she, so in that, in that vein, she was just by saying that and acknowledging it, she was in control. Like she was in control. It's like, yeah, those things are still going to be there, but they would probably be a lot worse. I'm at least managing them. I'm at least managing my experience of them. So I think that's what it does. Um, almost more than anything else is it's not, you know, it's, it'd be, it, it's not a great sell to be able to say like, your thing, your, your, what you're experiencing, your symptoms might not ever subside. That's a hard thing to swallow, but it's like, well, what can't, it's kind of what I say now in the pandemic area. I'm like, people are, we're so, uh, um, the first month it was like, you know, really, and they're still experiencing it, but it was just this unnerving of the unknown. And so what I would invite people in, in, in the yoga practice to, to think about and consider is like, okay, you're going to have to be okay with the unknown. Like that's part of us being a human and yeah. at like, like, and 
So what is it that you can control? Where is it that you can feel your strength and your power and, you, and that you have some you know, hands on the wheel and that's in your movement? And then you're just gonna have to, and, and just by having one thing at least that you can, that you can control um, will help. Because, and, just, and then just think, no, like, we don't know. You know, it's like what you're experiencing. It's unfortunate, it's, you know, it's like, it's unfortunate. It sucks, all the things. And it's like, okay, yeah, that is really to a degree out of your control. What you can control is how you experience it and how you, can, how you move your body. Yeah, that is so true. Um, I think one of the things I struggle with is um, motivation. So I have, and I, it's funny because I know that it's weird. <laughs> I know I, I say, oh, why am I self-sabotaging? <laughs> because sometimes I, I know that the positive things I do, like you said, like yoga, you know, my nutrition, my pelvic health, all of those things have positive impacts and I can see it. But then there's sometimes I, I think when I've been doing very well, I then say, maybe just, you know, take a break or just eat or whatever. And then I go down. So, and then I feel bad because I'm like, oh, why did I go down? So my question now is how do you stay motivated? Like what's your advice for, because sometimes it can be tiring. It can be really like, there's always so much to do to help myself. I'm tired. Like I want someone else to help me. So yeah. how, do you, how do you stay motivated? Like have self-motivation and continue to push forward with, um, you know, doing, taking care of yourself. Well, I think whether or not you have a chronic, uh, <laughs> illness or condition, uh, a lot of people feel this way. It, it's, it, you know, motivation is a muscle and, and just like anything else, it, it has to be strengthened. And the strengthening really come, I talk a lot about habit formation because my particular uh, specialty in physical therapy has a lot to do with brain body connection and what's called neural mapping. And again, it's really, how we develop habits, how we respond. And so I think, first of all, it's like, be really gentle on yourself and know like there's going to be days where you just want to be like, Hey, I'm going to sit on the couch and do nothing today and be okay with that, that, that that's, you know, but kind of give yourself a, like almost expiration date on that. It doesn't just drift into one day because the yeah. problem is if people get in that unmotivated space and they've just given it no time, you know, no expiration date, um, that's when you, it, it's, it's, it's the whole law of physics, you know, it's, uh, it, it, things at rest like to stay at rest. So you, you do have to get yourself up again. So I say like, you know, just how quickly can you bounce back? I think that's really resiliency and it's resiliency for everything, emotional, um, trauma, physical and all, and, and whatever we're experiencing. Cause it doesn't have to be huge to be still exhausting, right? I mean, it's like you have a legitimate reason to feel exhausted. And there are people who don't really might say, well, I don't really have a chronic illness. I don't have that. But I just have some days where I feel blah. It's like only the person within that body can really know what it feels like. But I think what, what we can try and do is bounce back. So what I know, I'm very disciplined because it's become a habit. And it's just hardwired. If I give myself like a day off, which I do, I mean, just like, but I'm also, I also don't go to the other end. I'm not like an endurance athlete, like pumping out five hours a day. Mm -hmm. That's not sustainable. 
No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And um, those people are super driven, but physically that is not a sustainable place. Mm. What is sustainable is moving every day. So what I say to people is, hey, if you don't like yoga, don't do it. If you don't like biking, don't find what you enjoy that is not torturous, right? Because then you're going to think, hey, I want to do that. Mm. Like, I love moving my body in this way. I'm going to do it. There are going to be days where I want to sit, sit around and not do anything. Mm. But I know that won't last long because it feels a lot better to do, be over here in this place where I've moved. And that's just habit. That's hard wiring. If you do it enough, that feedback loop has been developed. So I say, get, you know, be gentle on yourself, have your days. And you might even know, I don't know if you know, basically on cycles of, or if there is some kind of, you know, predictor of how you're going to feel like I would, that's where I would be like, this is a laboratory. Like, let me just experiment. Yeah. You know, if I'm feeling like it's going to be a really bad day um, where I'm having a lot of pelvic pain, what is it like when I don't do anything physical? What is it like when I actually do physical things as if nothing was happening, you know, just like full on and feel what is the difference? The difference. Yeah. And, and cause sometimes that can be surprising that can be. And so what I think is it's, I'm motivated by my own laboratory. Like I want the most amount of energy. Mm -hmm. I always say, gosh, you know, I joke to my, I have like a big team of people and I'm always like, oh my God, I could use a line of Coke right now. Now I've never in my life, never have I done that. Right. And they all laugh, but what, cause I knew I could never have done it because I would have loved it. I would have loved the feeling that we all have a little bit that for me, that, that kind of pursuit of like boundless energy and, yeah. and productivity that excites me because when I have, a, I have moments of that every day. And then I have, can have long stretches of it. And then I can have not so long stretches. Yeah. So I think, um, but what's fascinating for me personally is that this is a laboratory, like figure out for yourself, like don't assume just because it didn't work before it might not work now. Like maybe, maybe doing some like strong core stuff on the days where you feel like you have the most pain mm. will actually help you, which I have seen by the way, with endometriosis, it's counterintuitive. Like you, but actually getting a lot of energy there and blood flow um, by core strengthening has helped some people. So it's interesting. So it's funny because I, what, what you're just saying is, yeah, right. It's counterintuitive. But I've seen so many memes from endometriosis um, sufferers saying, how dare you tell me to exercise on my period? Do you know what's going do you yeah. know what's going on? I'm on the floor and in the bathroom. I'm throwing up. How dare you? And there's lots of memes and I'm always laughing when I see because I, I understand. But yeah, you're right. The few times that I've tried, like when I'm in a lot of pain and I try to move, like I, f I know for a fact that there's a difference, like there's like some improvements, you know? So right. it's just, I guess it's just that kickstarting, like getting up and trying. Exactly. That's the issue. Well, what I say to people is, Give yourself five minutes. If you can negotiate and say, hey, you know what? Just get up and like have this routine where you get, like I have this um, on my, on my um, online platform, I have classes. Mm -hmm. And every class starts off with this part that's called the reset. 
And what it is, is it's working your glutes, it's working your core, which is everything but your limbs, mm. to awaken it. Because the core's biggest job is to stabilize your body as you move. Mm. And so it's not just like, oh, I want to look good, but you know, that could be a, a great residual, but it's really about strengthening that a lot because this is where the most amount of energy flows. Of course it is. This is where our organs are, and this is yeah. heart, all of it. So um, the reset is this like 10 minute thing. And I have so many people that say, you know, I just think I wasn't, I was so exhausted, but I said, I'm just going to do the reset. And then I ended up doing the whole class, which is, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. So it's, and that is the key is that if you give yourself and do five minutes of something, you can stop after five minutes, but most likely you're like, Hey, I'm actually feeling better. Yeah. And it will, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. You build some momentum with that. It doesn't have to turn into this hour long thing, but if you can negotiate that five minutes, maybe it'll be 15 minutes and you do that two or three times a day and bam, you feel better. So it's not necessarily doing it. That's the other thing I talk about a lot is you don't have to do everything at once, but if you can, if we can do little bits of movement throughout the day, it's so important for our, our all the systems in our body. Okay. So this one is a bit of a strange one on a podcast as it's not a video, but the question is, do you have any routines or, you know, is it vinyasas you call them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That can help with reducing pelvic pain because that's what many of the endometriosis sufferers experience. So which ones would you recommend? It's okay if this is. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, what I, yeah, Tenny, what I was talking about and people can check it out. Um, we have a two week, two to four week free trial. So people can try it and then write down things that they liked. If they didn't want to belong to the subscription, you can always cancel it, but write down a few of the exercises. And what I was saying, that reset that is at the beginning of every single one of my classes, you Mm -hmm. lie on your back, you lift your hips up. That's called a bridge pose that keeps your spine long. It activates your glutes. It helps your, all of these are also to help posture because what I see out in the world, unfortunately, and it kills me as a physical therapist, <laughs> is really awful posture. Yeah. And posture is much more than what it looks like. It is your energy. It's how you, you know, people will often say, I have a lot of energy. And um, I think a lot of it, and someone said one time, this was in a workshop a couple months ago, right before um, the pandemic, I was in Dublin. And she said, you have just been going all weekend. And and now I'm realizing it's because your posture is so good, I think. Like, yeah, you're right. Because if I was sitting like this a lot, yeah. that is a huge drag. Even though I'm not doing anything, mm. it's a drag on my energy because of that balance that we're constantly trying to get in our body. And if I don't have to worry about my posture, one side of my body being all com- contracted and one side being like slouchy, mm. um, then I that energy is is able for other things. So, uh, that, so getting on the ground and starting off with that, the people often are walking around with very little activity in their glutes. Mm. Very surprising. These are the largest muscles in our body and they are also the biggest, I call them the snoozers in, in the UK. People will say they're on holiday. They're on full holiday, they're on holiday Laura, they're on full holiday. So, um, because if you're, and so the, it gives the glutes an opportunity to really engage. Mm. Uh, that right there, practically everyone feels better doing that. And that's really, really great for any area, like around the pelvic floor, 
is getting the pelvis in a neutral position. Mm. If you're not sitting in neutral, it impacts the muscles and soft tissue around your pelvis, which includes your low back. And, um, and then you're not going to be set up well, because if you're not in good posture, you're mm. not set up well to move well. So one pre predicts the other. If you're not sitting well, you're not going to stand that well, and you're probably not going to move that well. Yeah. And it's not just on in how it looks, it's really in the performance of it, the efficiency of it. Right. So getting on the ground and doing a bridge pose, then flipping around and getting on all fours. Uh, I, in physical therapy world, it's known as quadruped, but at yoga, sometimes they just call it tabletop. Right. Um, mobilizing the pelvis there, just little cat cows, maybe doing some little like wiggle side to side with the ribs, just feeling the, like getting some freedom in the body. Because again, um, the, the tissues hold the issues. They really do. Like, so if the tissues are restricted and they haven't been really moved and pulled on, um, in a good way, uh, then they can feel like kind of crappy. And then going into a down dog, it should feel amazing. Um, I, whether you're having your period, whether you're having just some you know, general cramping, the, the down dog is an inversion that is lovely because it just kind of pulls everything up into the pelvis. And yet it's also giving you an opportunity to put weight on your hands, free up your neck, just hang that. So if you just did those three things, uh, you would find and spatially orienting your, your body in different ways is also great. Mm, I love it. I asked the question thinking you would say, oh, well, we can't, I can't explain it over, you know, podcast, but I'm very excited that, yes, you yeah. were able to give at least three of those. So that's really good. Thank you so much. You're so so I want to ask about the um, LYT method. I mm-hmm. saw that as part of what you're, you're teaching. So before we talk more about, you know, your practice so that people, everyone would know, you know, where to come find you. And if you can share more, I wanted to ask about the um, LYT method of yoga. Can you share a bit more about what that is? Sure. So um, for a long time, well, LYT stands for Lara. That's me. Lara's yoga technique. Okay. So uh, for a long time, and it just happened to work well, that that was a nice yeah, action. It does. <laughs> I would, I would all, yeah, it's like, oh, this week, because I would, um, I would often talk about, you know, my yoga practice was different. And when I opened up my, I have a yoga studio here in Princeton, New Jersey. It was called, it's called Yoga Stream. And it was, the stream was really to connote this, idea of organic movement and how a stream is very powerful, but also um, from a brain mapping standpoint, one of the ways that my practice and teaching is unique is we do uh, sequences and then in the final like three quarter, like the last quarter of the class, we stream those sequences together. Okay. And that's, that's really uh, for good hardwiring for the brain. So if you've ever done anything, you know that repetition is important for learning to happen yeah so we're not just doing a bunch of different yoga poses uh we are it's very movement oriented there's poses there's transitions um but then we have this opportunity to stream them together Mm -hmm. so this kind of organ is a very structured blueprint but if you were to take the class you'd be like whoa this is so creative and um, and that's because it comes from this place of structure, this idea of stira, like that I was talking about, stira suka, which is like you need structure 
so that you can have the receptivity and sweetness. Yeah. So I developed it based on my years of really physical therapy and working with um, patients that had neural injuries, brain injuries, strokes, and whatnot, and working on how the brain is plastic, meaning it always has the ability to be reshaped, reformed, and rewired, which is now a more common accepted thing, but that didn't used to be thought to be true. So the practice is really changing the way you're going to move on the mat and off of the mat. So I I started this and yeah, it's become a nice um, method that people really, people love it. They just are like, I, the common thing that I get, especially if people have been practicing yoga for a while, is they're like, this makes sense because it's, it's very much um, ordered in a way to prepare your body for bigger and more challenging movement patterns. There's nothing that's random about it. It's pretty, it's pretty, um, it's a pretty organized system. Okay. Thank you. So is there anything else about um, your practice or your classes that you'd like the audience to know and how they can find you like your website or yeah, the website's really easy. It's lit, L-Y-T, yoga.com, lityoga.com. And there is a, the platform that has the online classes is called Lit Daily, but you can access it right there. And it is a huge platform. It has, um, I think we have 500 videos, but they're not all up at one time because that's too overwhelming. I wanted to avoid what I say, the Netflix conundrum where you're just yeah. like, get on there and spend... 15 minutes to try to figure out. So that's why it's called the lit daily because we every at the very top of the page every day it's offered a daily a, um, a daily class that's different. Okay. So you would get a and that way you could come and be like I don't want to make a decision. Laura's just going to tell me what is today Saturday's class and there it is. Yeah. No. But if you feel like you know what this class looks like it's going to be too challenging or too long or I just want to go and do something just for the hips, you can scroll down and look at the library. There's hips, there's back, there's short on time, there's beginner, there's therapeutics, um, there's meditation, there's um, a lot in the library itself. And I started that about a year and a half ago and it's really grown and, and people really love it and it has a, like its own little forum, people can connect on it, it's, it's really lovely. Oh, that's really good, thank you. And is there any final thing you'd like to share with the audience, especially those with chronic illnesses on all things yoga. <laughs> well, I would just say thank you very much, Tenny, for having me. And um, I think that just your t the title alone being not defined by Indo is so beautiful because um, we need to define ourselves by who we are, who we are in our greatness and our potential and our, in our humanness, not, not by the conditions that that have been um, kind of placed upon us, you know, and it, again, it's how we manage those things that really highlight who we are at our spirit. And I think yoga really does that in such a sweet way because it, it, it it's an imitation inside. It's an imitation into the home, into your body, and through that um, into your your spirit, to your emotional status, and um, taking care of yourself. Um, and allowing all those different feelings to come up and just kind of, again, bearing witness to them without like becoming their friends, you know, like 
it's okay to be angry, but don't be so friendly with anger because then you become anger more, you know? Yep. And so it's, I think again, yoga gives you this, it's really a, that's why it's called a practice. It's a practice at all of those things. It's a practice at being a witness to the emotions that are, that are human, that are natural and that are fine, that are normal to have. It's how we process them and how we release them and move past them and don't, you know, attach to them. So I would say, especially with chronic illnesses, um, don't be defined by your illness and also be kind to yourself that you will experience all those emotions, but don't attach to them, you know, let them go there and just know that they're, they're part of this whole strange crowd of friends that live in your ecosystem. Um, but they don't have to, you know, take front seat on the couch, you know, they can. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Not take front seats on the couch. Yeah, Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank so you so much. much for having me. Yeah, it was so great um, speaking to you and learning more about yoga. And I hope people will learn from this because I sure did. So that is a wrap. Thank you. <laughs> Has this conversation encouraged you to give yoga a try today? If it has, then make sure to visit Lara's website. It's www.lytyoga.com. Go on there to learn more about yoga and maybe give one of the online classes a try. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love to know. Send me comments or even a DM through my Instagram or Facebook page. Share with your friends and subscribe to the podcast. If you also have any questions to ask or topics you would like me to discuss, feel free to shoot me an email on info at notsdefinedbyendo.com. I love to hear from you all. All of this information is found in the show notes. Until next time, my name is Teniola and remember, you are not defined by Endo.